Hi, this is Abby Rego, and I am a cosplayer. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the dressed-up world of Doctor Who collecting, the collectors, all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise, and sometimes Doctor Who or Doctor Who related. It's a great place to talk about it. Brought to you in part by Forbidden Planet and Bags Unlimited Incorporated. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your wonderful host, and I've been a collector now for 42 years. Welcome to our 68th episode, celebrating the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who this year. And I opened one of the first Doctor Who stores back in Chicago that exclusively served the Doctor Who fans. I called it Bundles from Britain. That's where I left it. After I sold the business to my business partner, I went to college, I got my degree, I went on with life. Fast forward, 2015, I think it was, maybe 2014. I pick up a book called Red, White, and Who, The Story of Doctor Who in America, history of everything that happened in the United States, very close anyway, and on page 384, I found bundles from Britain listed amongst retailers, and that blew me away, because I had no idea the book was being written, and I don't know, you know, who submitted that or who found the information, but wow, part of history, still humbling, and I thank the authors for that mention. You can find a link to get this book. It's a wonderful book. You need to read it cover to cover. And you can find it on the front page of our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com. Uh, if you're not too thrilled with the Amazon price, you can get it from ATB Publishing. That's ATB, the three letters. If you do a Google quick search on that, you should find it pretty fast. They still have copies for sale there. We are part of the Direction Point Doctor Who podcast network, and you can find great podcasts about Doctor Who and other great things here at directionpoint.org. If you happen to be a host of a podcast and you'd like to be part of a great network, look no further. Go to directionpoint.org and click the join button and join the ranks of podcasters like the Time Streams podcast. I love that one. That's uh, that's a good one with uh, Nathan. And there, uh, Police Box in a Junkyard with uh, Eric and Assad and uh, Matthew Kressel. The Doctor Who Target Book Club with our good friends Tony Witt, Allison Fitch Seyfried, and, Al and uh, Dalton Hughes. And of course, with lots of guests. So you also have Traveling the Vortex on there, which has uh, been around for a long time. One of the top 10 podcasts in uh, Doctor Who. So there you go. And speaking of links, uh, Two great resources that I like to include in every episode of the podcast include Timelash.com. And if you go there, select the TARDIS library, and it's a great place to keep track of new releases of media, books, records, videos, Blu-rays, and, and you can create a free account and keep track of your collection. Just do a search, say, I've got it or I want it, create want lists. He's even got links to Amazon sales and an eBay search engine built into the site. 
Thanks to Mr. Dan O'Malley, he keeps this site running for free with ads running on the page. So please check it out. If you need to do a deep dive, and I mean a deep dive, into Doctor Who collectibles and you want more than just the courtesy mention on the Doctor Who merchandise site, you need to find the Doctor Who toy, toy box, I should say, the toy box. How's Transcendental Toy Box is what I'm talking about here. And uh, you can find that at DoctorWhoToyBox.co.uk. And by how, of course, we mean David J. Howe. And he's a great friend and a great resource for all collectors. If you're looking to buy great Doctor Who items at great prices, look no further than typing into your search engine DoctorWhoStore.com. It's in the name. It's the Alien Entertainment. And uh, they have what you need. Currently running sales on many items. Um, if you live in the Chicago area or the western suburbs, you can save that shipping charge by selecting free pickup from the Lombard store location. Uh, you can browse while you're there, of course, browse the incredible selection of Doctor Who, Harry Potter. Uh, there's some Mickey Mouse Club plates in the in the uh, display case. There's Star Trek. Um, there's all kinds of stuff there. If you're into sci-fi or anything that's outside that world, you got to visit Alien Entertainment. They're open Wednesday through Saturday at the Lombard location. Also open in Logan Square. For information on location and hours, go to alienentertainment.com. You can also great. You could also great. You could also great find or find great Doctor Who items at Forbidden Planet one of our many sponsors. Just visit our website at DoctorWhoCollectors.com and select merchandise links. And don't forget our own eBay store. We've got Target books, hardcovers, and a lot of other miscellaneous goodies. We got CDs and videos and things like that. We're trying to just pay the bills here at the podcast. So those, those uh, sales do benefit the podcast. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can find other great things at Who North America. Keith and Jenny, amazing people. They opened their store the same year as Bundles from Britain. And uh, you can find them at www.whona.com or whona.com. And don't forget, last but not least, of course, our friends in London uh, at the Who Shop in the UK. Uh, I remember I gave them a call to find out about an order, and the first thing I heard was, we love y'all podcast. And I'm like, this is awesome. Thank you so much, and thank you to my friends at The Who Shop for listening. You can find them at thewhoshop.com. That's thewhoshopaltogether.com. Now, on our website, of course, in addition to all the podcasts, uh, you might not find some of the early podcasts on your podcast provider because the uh, provider can only hold so many, including Apple. It doesn't go all the way back. But if you want to go back to number one, where I talk about the Dalek book, go to our website and you can listen to every podcast we post. In addition to that, we have the Complete Guide to Doctor Who Classic Hardcover Books. These are the books written starting in 1964 with the Muller editions, going into 74 and 73 with the White Lion and Alan Wingates, all the way through the W.H. Allen editions, so that you have a complete guide to what you're looking for. Coming soon, Doctoberfest 2023 Collision. Very excited for this event. I'm going to be a guest there. Um, in addition to myself, you can uh, meet the great Sophie Aldred. You know, she played Ace on the program, both in the old and the new uh, series. You know, I don't even like old and new series. She was Ace in Doctor Who, period. Uh, I look forward to that collision there. Uh, also, join my friend Elivis Pagan with his props, autographs, and uh, his presentation on toys. 
Uh, you'll also see my presentation on 60 for 60, 60 items for 60 years. Challenge accepted and met. I have an item from each year of the series from 63 to the present day. I don't know many collectors that can say that. Maybe they can, but I'm saying it. There you go. You can see most of my Who Room up close in the uh, dedicated room. And that's Saturday, October 21st. Enjoy this wonderful festival sponsored by Who North America at the Courtyard by Marriott Indianapolis Plainfield. Say hello when you get there. Tickets are on sale right now. You can find them on the uh, Doctoberfest Collision Facebook page or if you go to whoina.com and select Doctoberfest. Uh, we have special tickets for the brunch and dinner with Sophie. Limited tickets available. So get those while you can. Limited seating for the Sophie panels. So get there soon. All right. Next on the list here, Chicago TARDIS 2023, set for next November, Thanksgiving weekend. Join us for the 60th anniversary celebration for the best convention in the Midwest. For more information and specifics, go to chicagotardis.com. So we have an updated guest list here. So far, we've got the usual suspects here. We've got Jason Haig-Ellery, our friend from Big Finish, the CEO, as a matter of fact. Uh, Fraser Hines comes with your ticket to almost every show, so I'm waiting to see if he's going to show up at Doctoberfest. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, we have Michael Troughton, of course, scheduled from last year and back this time. We have three doctors. Count them three. We've got Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Uh, so that'll be exciting. We've got uh, Stacy Smith and Jonathan Carley, who plays the war doctor for Big Finish. So that's the updated list. Um, there you go. Hotel reservations are live right now, so you don't want to miss this year's convention, chicagotardis.com. Uh, later, you'll get one-day one day passes will be for sale, but you can get a full weekend for either a reserved or priority membership. And depending on the membership, that means what place in line are you for the autographs or the photographs or, or the seating in the main hall. You do get an assigned seat in the main hall, and uh, so the, higher, the, more, the more you put into the uh, convention, the closer up you get. I've been sitting in the front row for several years now. It's a great thing. Um, what else here? We got uh, Twin Cities console room in 2024. I am tentative for that. Uh, we'll let you know more as I get there. And uh, don't forget about Gallifrey One in 2024. Watch this space for more information on that. What's new in the collection? Well, a few things. If you've been following the Instagram feed, and by the way, you can follow us on Instagram at Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. We've picked up about five followers per week, which is really exciting. Um, I have a record here from 1967 called The Big Top, and it might not mean anything to you, but it is a record of stock music. That means music that was written for television programs. And one of the tracks was used in Terror of the Autons uh, in the circus scene, and many of the other tracks were used in Monty Python. So not a very easy record to come by, but also Doctor Who related. The show is not mentioned on the record at all, but we have the information via IMDb, and also I checked it with the actual episode. The music is there. So that is very cool. Um, I have a copy of Damaged Goods from the New Adventure series that's in pretty good shape. So that goes in there. That's uh, one of the later ones. I got a f about a lot of about 10 or 12 Blue Spine books, thanks to Mr. Gene Smith at Alien Entertainment. He's always looking for things for me and uh, holds them aside usually, which is really nice. 
I got an updated Race to the TARDIS board game. They have updated it with new doctors and new cards and things like that. It's, uh, if you remember, the first Race to the TARDIS game just had Jodie Whittaker on the front. This one has all the doctors on the front. I got another Talking K9 that I was very optimistic would have uh, what I needed to make a working one, but not so much. The motor on that one wasn't working very well. Um, it got a little banged up in shipping. Uh, the, the seller was very gracious and gave me a 10-pound credit, which I was very happy to get. So out of the three canines that I've got sitting in front of me here, I'm hoping to create one voice box that works. I'd like the poor guy to speak after all this time. Uh, I still have the box signed by John Leeson where he wrote it from Silent Canine because <laughs> he wasn't talking when I had it signed. Well, we'll hope for that. I have a Mark Stalick, which was reproduced by Daypole, uh, the black model. Uh, it's number 4118 of 10,000. So those, uh, those are floating around here and there. I saw one at Chicago TARDIS a couple of years ago, uh, and I've got this one now in the collection. And finally, a Doctor Who Favorites Candies box from 1979. The box is in very good condition. Of course, the chocolate long gone. And if I probably wouldn't have the chocolate in there anyway, because it would probably attract um, rodents and stuff like that. We don't want that anyway. So there we go. Uh, so that's everything there for now. So uh, stay tuned. If you want to get up to date things on what happens here in the Who Room, um, Check us out on Instagram, our Facebook page, our Twitter feed. Uh, we post regularly. So there we go. Um, we have a lot of rumors flying around there about uh, our classic hardcover books. Uh, people have said, well, I've seen a Space War third printing or something like that. And I'm here to say, well, we don't really think that exists. But I'm always on the lookout for concrete proof of the existence of books that may not be in our guide. So if you are a hardcover collector and you've got a third printing of something other than Loch Ness Monster, because we know that one exists, uh, please contact me at DoctorWhoCollectorsPodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're a Doctor Who collector and you have not shared your story, get in touch with me. We'd love to have you on the program. If you're a cosplayer, we'd love to have you on the program. Tell us about what you do, how you how you go about it, your your way of life. You know, let's say we, we want your story to be heard. So let us know. Uh, coming up on future shows, we've got a couple of shows here in the works here. Um, we will have Andrew Skilleter on the program uh, talking about his artwork with Doctor Who. He is a legend in, uh, in the area of art. I also consider him one of the big three uh, of artists of Doctor Who, uh, in addition to that with uh, Chris Achilleos and Alastair Pearson. Um, we've invited Alastair Pearson to be on the program. He has respectfully turned us down. But um, that's okay. We invited him to Chicago TARDIS a few years ago, and he also respectfully turned them down. So I don't feel so bad. Anyway, we'll have Andrew on the program talking about, of course, his new project, Illuminart, uh, and Illuminart Gold. And if you go for the gold edition, you get a specially drawn um, print just for you. That's pretty cool. I've got John Pertwee in mind. So there we go. On today's show... I got a great conversation with a wonderful uh, young lady uh, named Abby Rago, who's a cosplayer. Uh, she did an amazing uh, Dalek dress costume at the last Chicago TARDIS. She is actually spoke to her a little while ago. She's off uh, dressed as Barbie for the opening of the Barbie film. She does this quite a bit. And so uh, we talk to her and get her story. So stay tuned for that. Um, 
If you want to know where we fit in the world of Doctor Who podcasts, Feedspot, great place to find podcasts, has the top 90 Doctor Who podcasts ranked and reviewed. We appear as number 36 of the top 90, which is really nice. In fact, we moved up one spot from last time. So that's a great thing. Thank you so much for your support. I want to thank our patrons, of course, too. If you want to see exclusive material, that means our special video content, our video shows, uh, the video interviews that we do. Because uh, uh, if you want to see Miss Mrs. Rago in her uh, um, her uh, Ingrid Oliver Osgood costume, which she does with the interview today, you'll have to go to Patreon and uh, give us at least a fifteen dollars subscription or more. You can go higher if you want. And uh, to find that, go to Patreon.com/backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, all one word, or you can just do a search there for us at Patreon. Uh, you can also support us at Podbean. Podbean is our newest provider. They are the main provider now for our podcasts. We had trouble getting our podcast onto Apple recently, and so we fired our old provider, and we've now got Podbean doing the work for us. So, And they're doing a great job. In fact, it appears faster now that we've got this going. So there you go. You can find us there at uh, Podbean, I believe. Just go to Podbean and search for Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You'll find us there. Our theme song is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines. You can hear this podcast almost anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. You can also find this wherever you get your podcasts, except for Stabotify. We are a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, time for my time. All right, so here's, here's my thoughts. Um... I'm a little bit worried about convention guest announcements being spread out too thin. I'm, I'm hoping that the 60th anniversary uh, conventions would have bigger names and, you know, more uh, people that would would basically drop everything and sign up to go. Um, and it's it's been kind of lackluster lately. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm excited about Doctoberfest. I'm excited about Chicago TARDIS, but I'm hoping that things pick up a little bit with that. That's just uh, my own thoughts there. Um, I've been getting a lot of complaints about my comments about pricing and collectibles. And I just want to point out that I was a Doctor Who dealer before many of those people were even born. <laughs> I hate to say that. I'm old. I had a store in 84. Um, I was pricing Doctor Who collectibles back in the 80s. I have a very good sense of what that stuff means and what it goes for. Um, and, you know, I, I do turn down offers. You know, when I'm looking at a book, I'm thinking this is my limit. I found, I found it uh, to be this much. This is what I, you know, based on my research, and then I'll get something that says, no, nah, it's worth more. I'm like, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, that's just my, my thought there. I'm also a little bit perturbed um, about the announcement of the 14th Doctor Sonic Screwdriver from Character Options or whatever they're called now. And, um, well, I did manage to get two of them ordered. Um, an hour later, they were completely sold out. And one hour after that, there's about 18 eBay posts at twice the price or more. So shame on you for doing that, for taking those 
um, wonderful Doctor Who collectibles away from genuine Doctor Who fans who wanted to pay the £29.99 price, and now you got to make them pay £149.99 price because you decided to cheat them and price gouge. I just do not have any tolerance for that. So if you're a listener and you're doing that, shame on you. Maybe cancel your order so somebody else can buy it. That's crazy. We get two in the podcast here. You might be saying, well, you're getting two. Well, I get two because I keep one that's sealed in the package. One I want to have out so I can demonstrate it. You know, I mean, once it's out of the box, you can't reseal it. And that's it. I am not here to make a profit, guys. I'm a collector. You know, and people know people will. There are people out there that will sell to me knowing that I'm not going to turn it around and put it on eBay. Now, I do have an eBay store, but if you go to my eBay store, you'll see Target books. I buy books in bulk, I like like 50 books, 100 books, 200 books. And a lot of those are duplicates of what I already have. I'll probably replace something if it's in better quality, and I'll put the old one up for sale, and we use that money to pay for the podcast. That's perfectly legitimate. We're not price gouging. In fact, our prices are very reasonable. I mean, we just sold a Face of Evil hardcover for $45. There's another guy selling it for 148 pounds. So, I mean, you tell me. Is that right? Uh, the, the Tom Baker vinyl collection, I tried to get that. That's also gone. And that's also on eBay now for a lot of money. So shame on you. All right. Well, that's my that's my time for today. So thank you for listening. After the break, we'll have our main story and the most outrageous offer. Stay tuned. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. That is a chair with a pander on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. 
And now it's time for the main story on the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. As I've talked about before, the world of cosplaying, which has been around for more than 40 years in the worlds of science fiction, Doctor Who, Star Trek, and other areas of science fiction, um, it's part of the collecting world as costumers hunt for the perfect accessories or cloth or fabric. It's in the same way that collectors look for their precious items. So I tried an experiment myself. When I wanted to create the perfect fifth doctor costume, it took me over a year to put everything together without buying at least one licensed product. I had to get the celery from BBC, but I still put it together. And I joined that world last Chicago's Hardest, which was an opening experience for me. And since then, I've had a lot of cosplayers on the program. And today I've got a notable cosplayer who's appeared at C2E2. Chicago TARDIS and probably other places we're going to learn about. So please welcome to the program, Abby Rago. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. And my video uh, uh, audience is uh, seeing that she is wearing the Osgood uh, cosplay, which uh, one of our favorites because uh, that character uh, kind of had the the uh, the cat pin, the the scarf and the glasses and was the unit uh, technical advisor, which was uh, an amazing uh, amazing yeah. character so um i think a lot of people identified with the fact that she was a fan yes within big, the program she yeah and a and doctor who fan just like oh, us oh absolutely and uh it's uh and that's come across in many of the shows i know sometimes the unit technical lovers are like wait it's him i can't talk to him <laughs> oh no, i grabbed my um cat's inhaler yes there you, oh yes <laughs> that's awesome so so let me start by asking uh how long have you been cosplaying that is a good question. I think I just kind of grew up loving costumes. I would say like, I would go back to like my first real costume would be like my Halloween costume in sixth grade. My mom and I made an Arwen gown, like mm -hmm. sewed it. I, I would say she probably did most of the sewing, but she made sure that I was very involved in it. So dressing up as Arwen from Lord of the Rings was my yeah. first like, homemade oh, wow. costume. My mom made a few other costumes when I was little, like princess dresses when I was in preschool and stuff. And then from there, kind of just going a little extra for like midnight movie releases, midnight book releases, when those were a thing that people mm -hmm. would dress up to show up for release parties. And then kind of slowly getting into conventions too, mostly really starting around 2016, like after I'd finished college and um kind of had more free time was when i started escalating more okay so, yeah and and so that whole thing got you into the whole world of the cosplay yeah um, and that's that's a great thing so so let me ask what kind of cosplayer do you consider yourself um well i wouldn't uh say i'm a professional cosplayer because i don't get paid for it right. but right. at this point i'm doing really frequent events between, I still only done local conventions within the Chicago area, um, but I also really involved with some costuming volunteer groups. So we do um, nonprofit kind of charity fundraiser events and hospital visits and stuff like that in our character costumes. So that has gotten me a lot more costuming time than I used to. I used to just do like three or four events a year and that was it. And now it's multiple times a month. Okay. Has anybody ever uh, offered you a commission for a cosplay? 
A few people have like mentioned it, but at this point, I don't have enough free time to make as many costumes as I want to make for myself. So I would not take on um, paid work for other people because I don't. I already have a full time job oh, that gotcha. pays me better than costuming work would pay. Absolutely. Uh, but well, let me rephrase that question: Has anybody offered to pay you to be in a specific costume? Ah, uh, uh, paid paid appearances. Paid appearance, yes. Aha. Uh -huh. Um, not. Officially, I don't think. No, okay. I guess not. <laughs> okay, no, okay. Um, I got to I got to meet uh, Abby at Chicago TARDIS. Uh, and she had this amazing Dalek dress that she was wearing for the masquerade, and uh, just I know we talked just briefly there, and uh, mostly uh, through uh, your Instagram page, but it was just wonderful to see just the you know I was I was new to the world of this uh, myself, even though. Um, the history that I have with cosplaying goes back to 1984. Uh, I was part of a Doctor Who fan club and listeners, I know you've heard the story, but I'll tell Abby just so that you can hear it again. But uh, we had an older member of the, of the group who was a professional graphic designer, professional artist. He was an actor, a clown. He was all this stuff. And uh, he decided for the 84 Chicago, it was a big Chicago, it wasn't Chicago TARDIS, it was called TARDIS mm -hmm. 22 or Tardis 21, excuse me. It was the 1984 at the Hyatt Regency, probably way before your time. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, he decided he was going to build a Davros. Mm -hmm. And so he got an old powered wheelchair. He built the whole base. He got uh, the leather jacket, made the latex mask. Mm -hmm. And I remember wheeling him into the hotel. And at one point, he got the attention of a photographer who took his picture. We didn't think anything of it. And then a few months mm -hmm. later, Doctor Who magazine came out with a big spread of the Chicago convention. And the first picture was Bill in his Davros. Yeah. And that was the first time. And people have, you know, when they've when they posted that picture on their webpage mm -hmm. and whatnot, people said, yeah, I remember seeing him there. That was amazing. It was like the best costume ever. And I thought, you know, that's something. And, and there was very few people in costume at that conference. But as time mm -hmm. goes on, it's like almost every conference i see um you know costumes and i've gone to co conventions where they're like hey where's your costume <laughs> like oh <laughs> sorry i i didn't think that was requirement but that's um that's what i think is amazing about going to uh the different conventions and seeing all the different you know you know costumes that are literally sometimes even better than what the prop department had for the original character so that's yeah. really something else. Um, yeah, I think when I first started going to events or like bigger conventions, like the celebrity guests were a big pull for me. Um, but then as time went on, I've kind of cosplay is like the main thing I go for. And if I get to get a picture with a celebrity in my costume, that's just a bonus on top of that. I'm going rain or shine because I want to dress up and meet other costumers and just interact as my character. And that's great because I know, for instance, like Chicago TARDIS has a whole pie slice of costumers you know with folks mm -hmm. like jen Greeley and mm -hmm. um who who are really uh have been with that for a long time and really yeah. help you know and also a place to help cosplayers as well as promote it and keep people keep people safe in their costumes as well uh mm -hmm. which leads me to my next question of course this is a sad uh moment of of the whole thing but um how do you deal with uh hate comments um for the most part i don't think that I have gotten too many very negative comments. Um, well, let's say, let's say, let's put that in the same category of hate yeah. slash inappropriate comments. Yeah. How do you, because I'm, I'm, unfortunately, that's 
terrible uh-huh. thing in our world, but how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think the I've kind of laughed off some of them, like my Dalek bell dress. I like took a little video at Chicago Tardis that was like the first thing that I would say has gone viral for me, like over a million views on mm-hmm. Instagram and TikTok. And for the most part, there's just people making comments like that don't know what a Dalek is. They're like, you look like a poop emoji. That was the most thing I've gotten a lot is that just the brown shape of the dress. I look like a poop dress, even though they're usually quite complimentary. So I don't think I've gotten like really direct attacks on my appearance or uh, I guess there's a bit of privilege in the cosplay world if you are pretty, conventionally pretty that other people deal with more attacks on their appearance that I haven't had to. So I know that that's a privilege and I'm lucky that I haven't been subjected to that. But yeah, some people just make comments like, why are you holding a toilet plunger? Like, this is so weird. Or, you know, nerds out there, they'll do anything, make anything a costume. <laughs> I, I wear my I wear my nerd badge proudly. Yeah, I have for many years. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, and my listeners know this too. When I was younger, I, I was I was picked on mercilessly for mm-hmm. my Doctor Who fandom. You know, I've been uh, watching the show since 1975. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm well into my 50s now. So I've been doing this a long time. And I found that I've actually thrived with this more than the people that were uh, attacking yeah. or are yeah, hating. It's kind of moved on from the era of where nerdiness was something to be made fun of. Like, you know, left that behind with high school. Exactly. I found people that enjoy this. And I don't need people that don't. <laughs> that, exactly. And unfortunately, we have some people that never leave high school. And that's mm-hmm. that's the, the and especially with social media as their as their yeah. platform, they tend to, you know, they'll look at a uh, especially, unfortunately, and sadly, uh, they'll look at young women in costumes and decide that they're up. Oh, I'm going to target this because this mm-hmm. is. But you know, what are you doing? And uh, um, mm-hmm. I also, I also love the fact that you do a lot of cosplay with your husband, mm-hmm. which is really quite uh, something. So, uh, are you do you frequently do those things with together, or do you prefer to do things alone? Yeah, usually when we start a costume project, we kind of plan it as a couple. Um, in this case, with the Dalek Bell, I, the vision was also the Cyberman Beast, which we made for yes. C2E2. I just didn't have time to finish it for Chicago TARDIS. So in that case, he just accompanied me as my assistant, as my handler um, <laughs> at Chicago TARDIS. But usually we do, when we when we pick out a costume, we try to pick a pair. Um, because it's just, yeah, it's more fun to be uh, out together. And you get more recognized, recognized more, you know, um, if one of your costumes is more impressive than the other, it makes up for, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause uh, I know sometimes uh, one, a couple, I've had a few costume uh, players on the program and uh, you probably know Katie Haynes the most Mm -hmm. uh, as far as, you know, her 13 is, is actually pretty amazing. I took her to Doctoberfest in Indianapolis last year, and she won the costume contest, having never been to that uh-huh. convention before. Uh, because not only does she do the costume, she does the character as well. Yeah. She, you know, and uh, does all that. And then there are some that really put their effort into um, 
uh, Matt Bovington is another one from England. He does, he has all the doctors and he actually does a video on location shoots. He'll go to like, here, here's where Caves of Androzani was filmed and does all that in costume, which is pretty quite, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Um, let me ask, what was your most expensive cosplay project? That is a good question. We have been asked that before and uh -huh. I don't know because we don't usually keep a list of all the costs. <laughs> um, if we were just talking about the Dalek Bell, I don't think that one, the Dalek and Cyberman weren't too expensive because we didn't have any big kind of prop weapons or anything. Okay. It was mostly fabric and like other small accessories. So being that those are kind of what we're most famous for recently, they were definitely not our most expensive. Um, last year we made Link and Zelda and the swords for Link were a little bit expensive, but oh, a reason <laughs> my next, one of my next costumes, I'm gonna make um, giant articulating wings for a gold Wonder Woman costume that oh, I made in 2020. Nice. Okay. Um, and that one will be, that will be a lot to pay for the frame parts mm. and the electronics that go with that and stuff like that. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of the one of the concerns out there. I know that I've talked with many customers is when um, when a character will use a certain piece of clothing, and a manufacturer of that clothing finds out, oh, they're gonna be buying this and they raise the price uh -huh. like the indiana jones leather jacket apparently mm. was a common jacket until they found out that he used it in the movie and now it was eight times the price of what it used to be <laughs> uh and i thought wow that's crazy i had the same issue trying to find the optimo panama hat for peter davison because uh -huh. those are those are made in ecuador Hmm. And uh, the problem is, is that they're not always available. And when they are available, they're not cheap because <laughs> they're yeah. all handmade. The other problem I had was the cricket sweater because you have to mm -hmm. buy an actual cricket sweater. And those are 200 to $300 because uh, they're yeah. all handmade. Plus, they know that you're using it for Doctor Who. <laughs> so it's, I'm like, oh, yeah. So you found us out. That's yeah. uh, that's one of those biggest things. Um, so I think back if there was something that I bought yeah. because it was an exact. Last year, I was making Nicole Kidman's AMC costume uh -huh. for Halloween, and I jokingly or I stumbled across the site for the um, that was selling the Michael Kors jumpsuit that she wears, and it was like seventeen hundred dollars or something. But unfortunately, it was sold out in my size, so yeah. I glued some rhinestones on a thirty dollar Amazon suit. Which probably was just as good, you know. That's uh, I spent that's, more on rhinestones than I spent on the suit. Right. <laughs> so I mean, that's one of the things that you know. I know costumers, especially those that do different costumes, have to look at. It's like, how much of my budget am I going to spend on the mm -hmm. whole the whole thing? Um, yeah. Usually, we kind of just look at it item by item, and be like, is that worth it, or can we make it for cheaper? Um, yeah, we don't a hundred percent make our costumes like the ones that we have right. used for competing the few that we have we have made almost completely um but other ones are more 50 50 like buy the things i can buy if it's a regular t-shirt why would i make a regular t-shirt and then sometimes we also just buy a complete costume and only do little tweaking um oh, yeah, alterations yeah. and things like that so a little bit of each to maintain our sanity
Absolutely. Yeah. In the world of uh, the costume costumes that can be bought professionally, I know there's a lot of adult costumes, uh, like the David Tennant coats are now going for $1,500. Mm. Um, and But they're the actual code. Or you can buy a working sonic screwdriver for $900 because the, the lab that made the one on screen is also making them one at a time for anybody who wants one. Uh -huh. So you can go that route. That wasn't mm -hmm. an option 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. this is kind of a nice thing. Um, so I I just by the fact that you do make stuff, you're you're a well accomplished uh, with a sewing machine and things like that, because that's something that's kind of a lost art nowadays. Yeah, um, growing up, my grandma owned a sewing store, so when oh, we wow. her, we just hang out at the sewing mart. Um, and so, like I said, my mom made me some costumes growing up, and so I knew the basic, you know, how to run something through a sewing machine and sew two things together, and how to alter seams and things like that. Um, but the rest of like the skills that I've built in order to make a ball gown has just been picking up things one at a time. Like the instructions say, gather something. Let me Google how to gather something. And then mm -hmm. years later, I'm gathering everything. <laughs> so yeah, so as a result of just, well, having that background in a sewing store, that's pretty amazing. Cause <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been a high school teacher for most of my career and they've taken away the home economics um, work, you know, because I learned how to sew in high school. Yeah, which, which I, in I think, middle school, I had home ex sewing module. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of disappearing. And that's, that's kind of impacting, you know, kids that, you know, when I when I get emails about my cosplaying shows, and I say, mm -hmm. you know, do you have any advice for, you know, how to learn this stuff? And I always say, well, YouTube is my go to if I yeah. need to fix something and do things like that. It sounds like you picked up a few things on your own, and you've become yeah. well established. Um, my personal, uh, my, you know, as far as uh, I do, I do follow uh, Abby, on Instagram just to kind of see what she's up to. And there's a the link costume she mentioned is pretty amazing. So you got to check that out. Yeah, uh, we did the Ocarina of Time Lincoln Zelda, the very classic version, which was a nice flowing dress for me and just the bright green for my husband. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, let me ask, what was your what was your first convention appearance? Like the first convention I, I went to in cosplay? Yeah. 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 Um so I had gone to um, LeakyCon, which was a Harry Potter mm -hmm. convention in 2011 yes. and 2012. And then I started going to Chicago TARDIS in 2013. Okay. Uh, and then um, we started going to like the bigger conventions like uh, Wizard World Chicago and C2E2 2016, 2017 era. Okay. Uh, adding them on. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, con the conventions I've been, uh, I've been, I was a I was a Doctor Who dealer back in the 80s. So mm -hmm. I had I had a store and we went to the 1885 TARDIS 22 convention and that was a $20,000 weekend. So mm -hmm. it was the first time we kind of did that. Of course, I um and I'll tell I'll tell you the story since my listeners have heard it. I sold my half of the business to my business partner in 1987 and my business mm -hmm. partner was Gene Smith. Mm -hmm. the showrunner yeah. of chicago yeah, TARDIS. <laughs> so we yeah so we've we've actually i when i when i came back to um when i came back to chicago and started figuring out where this convention was i had no idea gene was a part of it until <laughs> i went i went in 2016 and i go i said you're still doing this because <laughs> we started together in 84 so you had been away from 90s to 2016 yeah pretty much yeah okay. i was you know i went to college you know got you know got into my teaching life and uh didn't know anything much but uh this the the funny part of that was is i had a relationship with katie manning 
uh, who's a third doctor companion. And so mm -hmm. she wrote to me and said, Hey, I'm going to be in Lombard this yeah. November. And I said, Oh, cool. Let me find out more about this. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome because uh, as soon as Gene and I recognized each other, he took me backstage and introduced me to Paul McGann and mm -hmm. all these wonderful people. And I thought, Oh, this is really cool. So I've kind of moved forward into that, into that world. Um, let me ask you this too. How, how do you see yourself as a cosplayer? Do you see yourself as Abby Rago or do you see yourself as the character when you're in costume? Uh, for the most part, I am still myself. Okay. Much more than some people that really immerse themselves in a character, mm -hmm. mostly because like I have so many just friends at the cons and stuff that I'm interacting sure. with as myself and enjoying my own time as a kind of vacation at these cons mm -hmm. um and also just because i do so many characters it would be the difference would be when i'm interacting with children mm -hmm. i would stay completely in character and respond as if i'm Belle or as if i'm wonder woman those are my two most common charity characters um or i've done a lot of wasp recently for marvel okay. events um and so those ones i kind of put myself in the mindset of like my superpowers and my name <laughs> remembering my name is diana and not abby right myself as that but with <laughs> adults i wouldn't act in character unless they wanted me to do a video for them or something like that okay and and of course i have to ask since we're the doctor who collectors podcast i do mm -hmm. see a doctor who poster behind you um any other doctor who items in your life that uh spring to mind so yeah so that one's the exploding tardis van yep. gogh poster van gogh yeah yep. yeah um most of the art in our house is from conventions. Okay. So there is a we're getting a tour. Everybody, here we go. Artist. Oh, that's nice. That artist, I uh, can't quite read. I've gotten a bunch of their stuff at, at C2E2 and things sure. like that. Um, oh, nice. Got a lot of Lego sets, but you know, I don't think has Lego made any Doctor Who? Oh yeah. I have a ton of Lego, but I don't think I have any Doctor Who Legos. Yeah, Doctor Who did make. There were some Doctor Who Legos. I do have a one, a TARDIS, not not a Lego. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and along with, you know, Batman and... Uh, of course, and yeah. We built Lego Rivendell. Okay. Recently, I was chronicling that on Instagram. Oh, nice. That looks great. Giant set, like 6,000 pieces or something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then I have some of my photos from conventions basically oh yeah yeah let's see okay yes yes that's there's sylvester i recognize that that set yep and then i've got david Tennant from c2e2 oh nice yes and arthur darville arthur darville oh arthur's great yeah now, some of the other a lot of the other um chicago tardis photos i had done i don't i didn't keep the physical copy because i had like another friend in the photo and let them keep the physical copy oh that was nice okay marvel actors oh nice yeah and on the other side very cool so i don't think anything else is um tardis but we've got all our fandoms represented around our house and most like art that we got at conventions okay well, of course, I host this podcast from the Who Room here in mm -hmm. Aurora. I, I am told I have the largest collection in the United States, wow. uh, at least from other people. I don't know if that's absolutely true, but uh, <laughs> I've been doing it for 42 years. So it's it's been uh, quite something. My uh, my next uh, 
my next panel uh, sessions this year are going to be 60 items from 60 years. So I have an item from each year of the program from 63 to the present day. Wow. So that's that's that was something I, I went, I took the challenge and I said, oh, do I actually have everything from that? And I actually mm -hmm. do, which is kind of because 63 is a challenge because no official merchandise came out until 64. Yeah. So I have something from 63. So everybody's scratching their head. What does he have? Well, you'll find out later. Um, yes. That's great. No, wonderful. Um, so let me see. Last thing here, I'm going to ask here. If you have, is there a, is there a character that you want to do but haven't done yet? I can tell you what we're starting to do next. Sure. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, our our plans for the fall is to make Dune still suits. I'm a big fan of Dune, and with the new movie coming out, we're going to make still suits, and I'm very excited about that project. Yeah, it does sound cool. Oh my gosh. You know, um, and, and of course, listeners, just a just a one um the thing too, if you're if you're thinking about getting into cosplay, uh it's a, do you have any advice for young people who want to start cosplaying what the easy route would be or what they would need to do? I mean, I think you can definitely start anywhere. And for me, it was definitely with putting together costumes from things I bought. So mm -hmm. like just searching the internet or searching thrift stores for the closest match to something and then like the combination of the accessories or the the right t-shirt that somebody wears can make the character come to life without having to craft something mm. um and then maybe you do make one part of it a prop or an accessory like that is much less intimidating than looking at a whole project to make um it and it and then you get a little more instant gratification if you do smaller projects first and sh show them off and and get the reward for um showing up and, and um bringing that character to life and i would also recommend picking a character you're passionate about it's so much more mm -hmm. fun to like work on something to bring something to life that you love oh um, yeah i agree i agree i, I that's why i did the fifth doctor because back in the uh 80s uh my little fan club was going to do a movie and the, mm -hmm. because I, I well you have to imagine this because i'm much older now but i used to have blonde hair <laughs> and so i they said oh you look like the fifth doctor i said okay so we didn't of course have a costume or anything but now i thought i need to put that costume together and it it took a little over a year and of course the uh the striped pants turned out to be a bedsheet pattern <laughs> and somebody found that in england and was able to mm -hmm. make pants out of it and i thought Wow, that's amazing. And I and of mm -hmm. course the the shirt with the question marks and all that and trying to find somebody who would do that with the red lining on the shirt and and it it's all it's all quite exciting. If you're passionate about it, you'll you'll embrace yeah. it and you'll you'll put whatever your efforts and financial resources to work on that. So yeah. what an you what definitely an don't have to make your first costume. Some people are, you know, feel like all that they see coming out of these conventions in terms of the photos that make headlines are the biggest and most homemade costumes um, or the most expensive. And you definitely, you don't have to start there. Um, my first Chicago TARDIS, I think I only found out about it a few weeks beforehand. And mm -hmm. I uh, had a ninth doctor costume that was a leather jacket I borrowed from my roommate, a purple t-shirt that I'd had for years and black pants, black jeans that I wore. Perfect. Yeah, uh, no, that would have been perfect. Yeah, uh, and, and it was also yeah. the week after the 50th episode, and Clara wore a red dress with a black jacket, and I had a red dress with a black jacket. And I had Clara length hair. 
There you go. Yes. I, I do notice for some of your cosplays, you change your hair color as. So, uh, yeah. yeah. When I first started, I always stuck with brunette characters mm -hmm. and kept my hair moderate length. But I once I ventured into wigs, it's a lot more freedom. I was just scared <laughs> of it for a long time because all I pictured was bad wigs. But once I started wearing wigs, then I was able to do whatever I wanted with my hair. So for a long good. time, I picked characters that looked like me, which is a right. way to make sure cosplay easier. If you already look like them, then you don't have to put in as much effort um, into the details of the costume while still getting recognized. Oh, Nothing yeah, against I, in a ton of effort. I do put in a lot of effort now, but when I started, like right. I could get away with simpler um, versions of the costume by looking like the character or, you know, at least carrying their notable props and stuff like that. And I was just thinking in the back of my head of uh, Katie Haynes. She actually looks like Jodie Whittaker without her mm -hmm. costume. And so I thought, oh, wow, yeah, that was a perfect choice for, for her. And of yeah. course, she started studying the Northern accent to go with it. And I thought, uh -huh. wow, that's, that's, yeah, that's, yep. that's fully embracing Amazing. that. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Uh, by the way, I, and of course, my, my guest is Abby Rago. So tell mm -hmm. our listeners where they can find you and follow you. Yeah, so my um, tag on Instagram and TikTok is the same. It's that's so Rago, all one word. So T-H-A-T-S-S-O-R-A-G-O. Um, you know, at some point I was like, maybe I shouldn't have my last name on the public internet, but hey, it's my tag and I don't want to change it. So <laughs> See, that's interesting because I always thought it was like Italian. That's Sarago. Yeah, so, so you could kind of say it like that. Um, that had been just like a kind of funny joking hashtag that one of my friends had made when when I got married. She was like, that's so Rago, like that's so Raven. Yeah. That's amazing. And of Stop. course, on our on our website, uh, on this uh, podcast link, all of her socials will be there and uh, mm -hmm. you can follow her there. Uh, and if, of course, you have any questions about cosplaying, I'm more than happy to forward those over and we can answer those here. But you can follow Abby on, I know, Instagram and TikTok and all those yeah. uh, and all the other socials we'll have listed. Abby, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. It's fun to talk about it. I just love cosplay right now so it's very it's my cosplay uh, addiction has escalated a lot in the last few years so i'm very excited about it and nothing wrong with that thank you so much <laughs> listeners stay tuned for the most outrageous hello offer. fellow time travelers and welcome to the doctor who target book club podcast the only podcast to discuss in story order all the doctor who novelizations my name is tony whit and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Keep collecting! Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our Doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. 
putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. The vervoids are probably the best dirty joke in Doctor Who. They're hermaphroditic plants. A lot of plants are. So there you go. That's it's based on science. No, they'll ship anything. There are probably eleven and handle shippers out there. You just have to drill a hole where his mouth is, and you're all set. You know he needs the room. I've seen it in pictures. I'm not saying you're not a fan. I'm saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Doctor Who gives a a drunken Doctor Who podcast for the end times. In all my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Optarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. And now it's time for the most outrageous offer. The most outrageous offer, of course, is a Doctor Who or Doctor Who related item that is priced way above what it can be obtained for or what is reasonably considered priced. So today we've got a book published by Big Finish in 2004, which, by the way, those books are pretty hard to come by nowadays because Big Finish got out of the book business um, a while back. They they did a bunch of books on um, Bernie Summerfield and, um, you know, things like that. And there were some novels that were published in short trips and things like that. Well, this book is a short trips book um, that's uh, being sold here. It's the Short Trips Monsters, a short story anthology. And it, it was uh, edited by Ian Farrington. So we've got that here. It's in good condition. It's a hardcover book. And um, it's actually from, uh, which is really interesting here. It's in from Montgomery, Illinois. And I'm trying to think that's not far from me here. Um, Second sale, Montgomery, Illinois. Um, I I live very close to that. So I may go check that out. Anyway, their asking uh, price here is $3,518.36. For a copy of this book. And when I look at this book here, it doesn't say anything about being signed by anybody. It's not a rare book. It's not a proof. It's just the book. It's a little high. Well, did a quick shopping church for this. I came up with several eBay listings for this book at Buy It Now, $49.69. A little more reasonable. Um, But here's what's interesting here. The seller that I found here on eBay is also from Montgomery, Illinois. Huh. So why are they asking $49.69 on eBay and $3,518.36 on a books? That's an interesting little twist there. I think it's the same seller. Ho, 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 ho. Maybe I just got a little too excited about that. But anyway, um, 
I'm going to do some more uh, research on this, and I'll do some follow-up later, uh, see if this book is really... Uh, maybe it was supposed to be $35.18 on here, but no, it's $3,000. Uh, these links, of course, will be posted on the site, and I will do my best to do a screenshot of each one so that you know exactly... Um, what it looked like so that I'm not just, you know, saying, hey, well, I couldn't find that after you said it. Well, I'm going to try to make sure that we've got that. So short trips, monsters, you can find the book for about 50 bucks or less. Don't pay 3518 but it probably is the same seller. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> anyway, if you find a Doctor Who item out there that is crazy priced, um, let me know, Podcast at gmail.com with most outrageous offer in the subject line. We most likely will do our research and we'll read it out loud. If you don't want to be named, you do not have to be named. This one was sent to me anonymously, which is fine if you want to do that. So there we go. That's our uh, most outrageous offer for today. And that wraps up the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I want to personally thank... Abby Rago for being on the show today. She was wonderful. That was a great conversation. Be sure to follow her on Instagram. That's a Rago. Um, uh, and you can find that link on our website, of course. There you go. Um, and I have no idea what's happening next. So you'll have to tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. And until then, keep collecting. Doctor Who Podcast Network.